Are you going to behave this week? Have we started? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to behave this week or yes, aren't you? Yes, yeah, I always behave. No, you break stuff, you touch stuff, you, you totally you go against all the rules. <laughs> I didn't know there were rules there are all for kinds crossword of, podcasting. You didn't see the rules on the big uh, board outside? I did see the big board. You did see the big board, yes. but not the rules? Not the rules. No? I, just, I was concentrating on the board itself. Really? And not the contents of the said board. Oh, interesting yes. choice. Well, uh, we have rules, and one of them is that you not break my stuff. All right. So... Uh, I will after the first seven things of mine you've broken, which have already happened. Right, just don't break anything else. All right, don't break the eighth thing. That's right. Yes, and to all of you uh, podcast co-host wannabes out there, don't break eight things, or your podcast co-host will kill you. Wasn't that uh, podcast uh, co-host wannabes? No, wasn't that a sitcom? Don't, podcast don't, co- oh. don't break eight things. Don't break eight things. Yeah. yeah. Eight things to do with your mother. I think was, it, <laughs> oh my God. was that it? Oh. Eight things to do with your daughter. Welcome Eight. to episode 76. Eight things you shouldn't do with my daughter. With my teenage daughter. Eight things to do with a teenage daughter. Eight things to do with your teenage daughter. Eight things to do with a teenage daughter when you're dead. Right. In a duffel in bag. In Denver. <laughs> Wait, what's a duffel bag have to do with it? Eight heads, Eight in, heads in, in, in a, a duffel, duffel bag. bag. Things to do in Denver when you're dead. And don't touch my teenage daughter. Right. Starring John Denver. No. Right. John Ritter. John Ritter. Okay. And Denver Pyle. Oh, my God. Bob <laughs> Bob Hope. Hope Davis. Oh, good one. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything after that. Gina Davis? Sure, Gina Davis. All right, we'll go with Gina Gina Davis. Gershon. By the way, starring right now in the big Broadway flop, Bye Bye Birdie. Is that really bad? Did you read the review? No. Oh, my God. Terrible? Terrible review. Did they mention her lips? They did not. Really? Yeah. That, that's the first thing you mention when you mention Gina Gershon. Not when you're mentioning the horrible Broadway musical really? she's starring in. That's a classic musical, though, isn't it? Not classic, but it's... It's an old musical. It's old, yes. Uh, What's not old is episode 76 of Film Me In. It's fresh and new. It is. This is allegedly a crossword podcast, but we do do everything we can to, you know, avoid living up to that reputation. What's coming up on today's show, Brian, since you don't like me to read the agenda? Well, I don't. You don't do a very good job of it. Well... Today's show includes fiction with Thomas Heilman. Ah, fiction. Shorts Wars. Ah, Shorts Wars. (laughs) <laughs> and news from the Oracle, Mike Knopfdagel. And uh, before we get to that, Ryan's going to moan and groan a little bit more. I guess it really does end on a G. Does it? Yeah. Wow. Who knew? Certainly not I. I'll tell you who knew. Michael Marcus Michael knew. Marcus knew. Would you like to find out more about how Michael Marcus knew that? How will we find that out? Well, I think we have to open up the viewer mailbag. Viewer mail. Opening it up. I'm blinded by the facial expressions. All of you viewers out there saw what Ryan was doing with his face. I, I Our first viewer mail comes to us from Michael Marcus. Uh, it had to do with the chord, the famous chord. This is the chord. That, it's the only chord that Ryan knows, and we play it from time to time. Yes. And Ryan accidentally said last week it was a G major chord. Uh, I no, said, I did not say major. He said it was a G chord. And, and I, I like said it is definitely not a G chord. Uh, if anybody does know what chord it is, tell us, and uh, I don't know what else would happen. Michael Marcus wrote to us and said, Brian, your chord was a C major chord. However, in Ryan's defense, Jag on a Hank and the Yodeling Pickle song both end on a G, so there may have been some confusion there. Interesting. I would say that that might have led to said confusion uh-huh. if you knew anything about notes. <laughs> right. But since you don't, I think it is just pure coincidence 
Uh, totally I just went unrelated. With, with G. Yeah, G. I just went with G. Maybe, I mean, I, you know, I did study the piano when I was a child. You, the way you studied the board of rules outside? You exactly. just sort of stared at it for a great <laughs> yeah, amount of I time? Yeah, I saw that there were four legs. On the piano? Yes. Oh, God. Most pianos, I don't know that they have four legs. I think they actually have only two. What about a, a, a grand piano? I guess a grand piano. No. Uh, do they have four? They have they, four they legs. They have three, actually. Two in the front to support the keyboard and one in the back because the... The back so end of the piano comes to a point. So it's a musical tripod. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, we I, also we also got a viewer mail about chords from Jeremy Two Time Horowitz. Gentlemen, my guess for the chord E minor, which is one of the four chords I knew and perhaps still know on the guitar. It's interesting that you would say E minor. Yeah, because it was it was he spelled it with a capital E and an M, and I thought he was just spelling out M. Yeah, it's uh, capital E followed by a lowercase M is the chord symbol for E minor. You know what? You really should have let me read this viewer mail because I would have said M. <laughs> you know, maybe it was in my subconscious <laughs> that I knew not to do that for fear that you would come up with something nonsensical like that. I'll tell you what, why don't you read the next viewer mail instead? Our next viewer mail is from John Delphin, Vassar class of nineteen seventy six. His email is entitled, The Dictionary is the Enemy of the Podcast. Ah, uh, that... Dictionary, you are not the only one. <laughs> is that a reference to something? Is the Dictionary like... is the Enemy of is the Podcast? Is that the Buggles? The Buggles? The Buggles. That was the, the only f- thing I know about the Buggles is that they did the song Video Killed the Radio right. Star. so is that, it sounds like that's the same thing. The Dictionary is the Enemy of the Podcast? It sounds like it scans the same way. The Dictionary is the Enemy of the Podcast. podcast. Radio Radio killed the radio radio star. It doesn't scan anything similar whatsoever. Interesting. All right. Poison pen. Ah, yes. He goes on. Poison, because we didn't know what that was. We didn't. I I found that entry in an old Patrick Berry puzzle. I don't remember what the clue was. That might be Uh, helpful. Something like it's usually anonymous, or it's it's written anonymously often, okay. or something like that. We didn't know what that was, and and it was poison pen letter. Poison pen was letter was the entry in the yes. group. Poison pen letter. And uh, John Delphin has looked it up. Yeah, it's an adjective. Poison pen is an adjective, and the definition. Oh, it's hyphenated. Poison hyphen pen. Poison hyphen pen. Yeah, like uh, like Kevin... der hyphen Euclid. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's an adjective. That's the part of speech. Yeah. The the uh, definition is composed or sent maliciously as a letter, usually anonymously, and for the purpose of damaging another's reputation or happiness. The newspaper received a poison pen letter alleging that the mayor was misusing city funds. Oh, I get it now. So it isn't you're not you don't write the letter to the person you're disparaging. You write the letter to somebody else about the person you're disparaging. And it poisons them. So it's like when I receive mail from people telling me how much they like you on no wait, that doesn't work. It's when I receive a letter about how much people don't like me. No wait, that doesn't work either. Now does it work if it's an email? Because it's, it's not a, a pen. Then it has a virus attached to it. It's, a, it's <laughs> not it's, a poison pen. It's, like, a, it's like a virus Ebola? attachment. Yeah, like the Ebola virus. You can exactly. Atta- you attach that to the email. Somebody opens it up. Yeah. And then... Or it's like the swine flu virus. H1N1. H1N1. Sneeze into your sheer, shirt. Shirt. Your shirt. <laughs> That's what they say. Um, Isn't that what Obama says? Does he say sneeze into your shirt? He says sneeze into... Well, he has that, that Connecticut accent. Oh, because he's from Chicago. Right. Okay. He's from the Connecticut area of Chicago. <laughs> on the east side. Okay. That's why he's a Sox fan. A, a white Sox fan, <laughs> to clarify. Uh, John Delphin says, I bet you could do five minutes on that subject line, but will you? I think that's referencing the dictionary is the enemy of the podcast, oh. which was the subject line of his email. I don't know that we did five minutes, but we, we certainly gave it a, a minute or two. We gave it a minute. We probably could do five minutes. We probably I don't think could. we will. We're already almost eight minutes into the show, oh, and we we're should, still on we page one. Uh, he, now, this is very interesting. His P.S. is yes. very interesting. Yeah. 
Campbell's Soup used mm good as a slogan for years. Yeah, let's clarify how that's spelled. It's M-M hyphen M-M good. So it's a total of yes. four M's. And that's, and that's how it was spelled in print ads. A Sunday New York Times theme answer a while back, it's mm good spelled M-M-M hyphen M-M-M. Right. Uh, and I, so, so he's saying that the New York Times just used a different spelling right. and also, I guess, included the word it's. Yes. Which was not part of the actual slogan. And so he says, I think you can spell R, and here John Delphin spells it A-R-R-R-R, however you like, citing this precedent. Sure. So that's interesting. Uh, I still don't think we're going to use R in the in the, uh, probably in the inner not. nerd puzzle, but it is a precedent. Now, on the subject of R, the pirate noises, we got a viewer mail from our friend Adam Hirsch, uh, who definitely does not work for NPR. Adam has written to us uh, with this <clears throat> rather pointed note. I was struck by your recent hypocrisy in your attitudes around spelling and usage in crossword fill. You declared the perfectly valid pirate American word R, two R's, not three usually, and meaning roughly aloha, invalid, <laughs> along with foreign words in general. But then you jovi jovially, jovially, is that a word? Jovially? Jovially. Then you jovially accepted a transliteration of the marvelous Yiddish word schlemiel, or schlemiel, he spells it two different ways, uh, which is both foreign and has alternate spellings. Using X-word info and a hunch, I discovered that Hanukkah has been featured three times, while Hanukkah spelled two different ways, you see, has been used once. Two alternate spellings for the same words, but both have been deemed acceptable for crossword use. So why not R? X-Word Info says it's been used 85 times, though never before clued as a pirate's exclamation. You two could be the first. On a side note, actually, can a pair of people be the first? Is this a N plus or minus X problem? Which one of us is the bread? Uh... That was a clue. Double Decker. Double Decker was yes, a clue. Double Decker, double was, Decker a clue. was a clue in something uh, this pinochle. week. Pinochle. Pinochle. I didn't know that. How many Deckers in a pinochle? <laughs> um, so let's let's address all of this. Let's address First, all of this. First, I do want to say, if we offended any pirate Americans, I am deeply sorry. Absolutely. If there are any pirate Americans who listen to our show, uh, please just speak up, and 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 we will do everything we can to to make amends to right that ship. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, but let's talk about... Well, first let's talk about the foreign, the, the issue with foreign words. Here's my issue with foreign words. My issue with foreign words is not really about foreign words that actually are part of English. I mean, English, as we all know, English is this hobbled, cobbled together language... <laughs> <laughs> it is a hobble cobble. It's a hobble cobble. It's this. It's not. It's not an authentic language. It was just kind of made up. Uh, you know, just sort of from the junk of all the other languages. Right. And and a lot of words that happen nowadays are made up nonsense words that just somebody said it and then poof, it became a word. And uh, so the foreign words that trouble me is when it's just sort of you know general vocab from French 101 or something mm -hmm. like that. A, a word like I don't know, like burrito. Or schlemiel. Like, these are words that we use in English. It's not just that we know them, but we use them. I don't use c'est si bon, which, which was that <laughs> French entry, which is part of what sort of got me off on the rant in the first place. Right. It's nonsense French. It's not a phrase that I use. Right. It, 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 am I making any no, sense you are, here? You're apt, but some people might use it. Who? Besides Crosscan, because he's Canadian. I, there might be some people who use it. I guess so. 
I just feel like there's got to be a dividing line somewhere between the foreign words that have actually become part of regular English lexicon and the foreign words that are still only part of, you know, foreign language textbooks in high school. Well, I, I find a problem with the words, like, from Russian. Yeah. Like, Nyet, because that's not how you spell Nyet. That's not even the right alphabet to It's spell a transliteration Nyet. of Nyet. Right. It's an English. It's an English, tra- yeah. Well, that is sort of true with Shlemiel. Right. But I think Adam's point is that Shlemiel has been spelled. There's not a definitive spelling of Shlemiel Right, so that's sort of part two of this. Adam's combined all of these into one argument because he's brilliant like that. We have to break it down into separate points. Shlemiel and Hanukkah, there are multiple, quote, English spellings of these non-English words that end up in crosswords. And so to his point, uh, R can then be spelled any way you want because Mm -hmm. it's not a normal English word, I guess. Uh, our next viewer mail. Thank you, Adam, by the way. Yes, Adam, you are, you know, you're a genius, Adam. Adam, by the way, uh, let's just put this out there. About a month from now, yes, Adam is going to be a very important player in a very important development in this podcast. Yes. Just going to say that. It's going to happen about a month from now, give or take like six more months, but it, <laughs> eventually it will happen. Eventually we'll have some sort of update. Eventually we will. It will be a loose end that will be tied. Oh, will it ever? Oh, it will <laughs> ever. Uh, so, our next viewer mail does indeed come from Ray Hamill. Uh, is he the director of a small re- medical research laboratory in Wisconsin? I think he might be. He's also really good friends with Samuel, Samuel Hay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he says, "You know Brian." I, I do. Think he's I talking do. to you. That's me. I'm Brian. I know me. You know Brian. If you changed your last name from Simmet, C I M M E T, to Simmons. S-I-M-M-O-N-S, then your name would become an anagram for Mass in B minor, an appropriate anagram for a talented keyboardist, I'm just saying. You know what? I'm going to just say something my father always said. Go ahead. If a cat had a square ass, it would (laughs) bricks. I'm just saying. Interesting. Our final viewer (laughs) mail comes to us from Thomas Heilman. Thomas Heilman writes, Hey, I've been meaning to tell you how much I enjoyed Amanda's segment a few podcasts back. This is when she called in and gave us a recap of the Pleasantville tournament. Yes. Yeah, Thomas says, I gotta say, there's something about her voice that was very compelling. I found I wasn't so much listening to what was being said as I was listening to the timbre of Amanda's voice. Now, I'm a happily married guy, but I wonder if it's any kind of sin to consider asking Amanda's voice out on a date. Is that crossing any sort of moral or ethical line, do you think? Um, I think it is. I think it might be. I think it could be. I mean, it sounds a little bit like, I don't know, it sounds like phone dating. Like Yes. Which is a step away from... But I don't think he'd want to be on no? the phone. I think he'd want to be physically with Amanda's voice. By physically, I just mean physically in the same room, not physically in any other type of yeah, way. I see, already, just the fact that we're having a very awkward and uncomfortable discussion <laughs> yeah. about this makes me think that, yes, it's crossing a moral... I, think it's I don't think it's crossing a line to ask us if it's crossing a line. But I think if you actually asked Amanda's voice out on a date, I think that might be strange. I think we'd like to hear from Amanda's voice. You know what? Uh, let's put that out there. Let's say Amanda's voice, if you're out there, uh, let us know whether you'd like to be asked out on a date by Thomas Hyland. Yes. Uh, this could be the first ever you know, matchmaking service provided by <laughs> Fill Me In. Between a human being and a Tim A voice. Burton. Yeah? Would it, it be the first time ever? Between a human being and just a voice? I mean, there's lots of people who believe like they they talk to God, for example. But did they, they go on a, out on a date? I don't know. I don't know any of these people. Neither do I. No. No. Is it timber? Timber. Is, is it timber? I think I said timber, didn't I? You did say timber. Yeah. Why is it Why is it pronounced timber if I don't it's know. spelled timber? 
well, it's not really. It's got an R-E at the end, so it's sort of French. Well, that shouldn't be in a crossword puzzle. This isn't a crossword puzzle. What do you say when, you, when, when you're out chopping trees? What do you say? <laughs> I say, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> I don't chop trees. That's what I say. Okay. So our next segment. Our next segment. Whoa, 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 oh, whoa, whoa. You just our wanna, next you segment just is leave the bag the open. Bag. <laughs> you want to leave the bag open. Sorry. You know, it's raining outside. You want all the letters to get wet? Okay. Good point. <laughs> Close it. Viewer mail. Closing it up. Okay, our next segment <laughs> is... That was close. Our next segment is called Shorts Wars. Shorts Wars. It's now, going to be presented to you in multimedia format, courtesy of one, Ryan Montgomery Hecht. Oh, great. Episode one, The Olympic Menace. The Winter Olympics are being held in Vancouver, February 12th through 28th, 2010. The ACPT was announced to be on the weekend of February 26th to 28th, 2010. Crosscan Skywalker expressed concern on making it to the ACPT due to the impact of the Olympics on work and travel. That's the end of episode one. Very nicely done. Very, very nicely done. Episode two, the editor strikes back. Events have been planned. Tickets have been issued. Crosscan sorted out work issues and booked flights avoiding Vancouver using frequent flyer miles. Problem solved, right? Wrong. The ACPT gets rescheduled for February 19th through 21st. That is the end of episode two. Also very well done. Thank you. Episode three, Revenge of the Shorts. After great pleading, Boss Yoda shakes head, sighs, and agrees to earlier time off. The evil empire known as Air Canada for a mere $90 fee agrees to change flights. I now must take one extra flight through the Death Star Vancouver Airport and get through the stormtroopers posted there for the pleasure of flying United Airlines Millennium Falcon through the asteroid belt called Chicago. Thank you, Darth Shorts. Thank you. So basically, uh... Darth Shorts has completely ruined Crosscan Skywalker's life. Well, Crosscan Skywalker's February. His February. I, I don't think he's ruined much beyond February. So yeah, so this. So I'm interested to see what happens in episodes th- four through six. Well, uh, you probably only have to wait about 22 years or something for those to come out, right? <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. How long was it between uh, the first Star Wars? It and was the... not long enough. No, I would rather that they had. <laughs> you not wish been... they had waited longer. Yes, I wish they had actually. <laughs> you not wish they were yet. still waiting. Yes, you've been begging me to see Episode Three for I like have, a year I, and a half I'm, now. I'm off that. You're off. You're I'm off, off that. I'm off that. You're no. You're no longer begging me to see Episode I, Three after after uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Crap. Yeah. I, I no longer endorse anything from Lucas after 1987, 1989. All right, our next segment is Fiction with Thomas Heilman. This is a continuation of Spikes, Freaks, and Pasadena Pride, and this is the Hudak digression. Yes, last week you may remember that uh, we I wondered, I wondered aloud if Hudak, which was a reference he made in part Hudak. three, Hudak. Hudak. Uh, <laughs> Uh, whether that was actually a person that Thomas Heilman knew or if it was uh, a reference to, like, a movie or something. Right. And I had no idea. So, but Thomas Heilman got back to us. Yes. Uh, this is what Thomas Heilman had to say about Hudak. 
Hudak was a kid in high school who used to terrorize the hell out of me. Many of the teachers seated us alphabetically, and he always sat right behind me. Heilman, Hudak. One of my favorite classes was calculus, and I asked a lot of questions. Unfortunately for me, I also perspired a lot. I'm not sure why. I had hoped, uh, I had hoped then that it was just some hormonal thing, and that the gods were turning me into some powerful aphrodisiac. But no such luck. I just sweat a lot. Hudak knew this and used to live for the times when I raised my hands. He would slide his <laughs> arms underneath mine and lock them in such a way that I could not put my hands back down, thus drawing attention to my condition. I can clearly recall Hudak once at the end of class locking his arms under mine, raising my arms, and actually lifting me off the floor of the hall and marching me and my exposed armpits up and down the hall for all to see and laugh at. Gosh, even as I write this, I hope it's part of the 50% I write that's fiction. That, that is horrible. That is unfortunate, and I, I gotta wonder, like Hudak, like wanted to touch the sweaty underarms. Uh, that just does. That seems a little weird. That is a little weird. He seems but there creepy. are people like that in, in junior high school. You oh my god, been. junior high school was the worst experience in my life. Uh, for some reason, the, the 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 one memory that's popping into my mind about horrible in junior high was uh, PE class. Of course, of course, PE class. I was never very good at PE, but uh, you know when I was in, and this may have been like by like my freshman year of high school. I don't remember exactly, but somewhere around there. I had had my braces taken off, uh-huh. and my dental braces, that is. Like, I didn't, I didn't have leg braces <laughs> right. on my teeth. And then I got a retainer. Uh-huh. And when I'd go to gym class, of course, I would change into my gym clothes, and I would leave my retainer with my regular clothes. You know, I didn't want to wear it while I was, you know, playing volleyball and getting spiked by Hudak. <laughs> and uh, on more than one occasion, uh, members of my class would steal my retainer, and leave it in the urinal. <laughs> I say this happened on more than one occasion. Unless you think I put this retainer back in my mouth, I certainly did not. I got a second retainer from the dentist. And then a third and retainer? Then a third retainer. And then I think I stopped wearing the retainers altogether. And now, as a result, my bottom teeth are crooked again. So, uh, thank you, Thomas Hamlin. We will continue Spikes, Freaks, and Pasadena Pride. Yeah. Uh, our next segment is called Loose Ends with Matt Matera. Matt Matera uh, has taken to listening to old episodes yes. and finding storylines that we never really completed, bringing them to our attention, and now we set out to complete them. So, Ryan, why don't you... Uh, Matt Matera says, I have not been the best part-time detective I can be this week. Other stuff mostly kept me away from the archives, but I do have one question. Ryan, a couple of episodes ago, mentioned going to camp. I was already wondering about his camp experiences because once in the episode where Brian talks about his archery prize, which you won at camp. I did. Yes. Camp Wawanock. Ryan said he had never been to camp, though I'm pretty sure that Ryan in an even earlier episode had talked about being homesick at camp. So what's the real story, Ryan? Camp or no camp? What is the real story, Ryan? I feel like we've been through this because I feel like I told a story about falling into horse poo. I thought we had a fiction with Thomas Heilman about horse poo. No, that was about a dead horse. I I think something is being screwed up because I was never homesick at camp because I never went to... Hey, how about we just clarify from the start? Did you ever go to camp? I went to day camp. You went to day camp? Yes. Did you ever go to sleepaway camp? No, I was too scared. Too scared of sleepaway camp? Yes. Too scared of the kids at sleepaway camp or of the camp itself? The kids, the camp, being away from home... The sky, the grass. <laughs> what, what else? What other things? All right. Well, so there it is. So Ryan went to day camp. I went to day camp. How many summers uh, did you go to day camp? I went to day camp for exactly one summer. Yeah. I think I was on the six or nine week track. Yeah. Uh, How old were you? Uh, like 10? 
10, somewhere thereabouts. Okay. I'm trying to think of when I was the most scared. <laughs> it was Tuesday. <laughs> uh, I did fall into horse poo. Yep. I had somebody pull me into the pool to force me to try to learn to swim, which uh-huh. terrified me. Sure. Uh, and I got caught uh, peeing outside. Oh, all right. Well, Everybody else good. was peeing outside, so yep. I thought, I'm going to be brave and pee outside. I peed outside. Cam counselor got in trouble. That's it. Oh, and people took my backpack and threw it in the in the ladies' bathroom. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Or the girls' bathroom, not the ladies' bathroom. Now, don't you think, looking back, that that was a fantastic opportunity for you? To do what? Go into the women's bathroom? Uh, like, isn't that what kids want to, boys want to do? I didn't want to. It made me cry. Oh, maybe that's the women's locker room. I wouldn't have liked that either. Really? Yeah. Our next segment... The Oracle. The Oracle with Mike Nothnagel. Pen pal extraordinaire, constructor of the Friday Puzzle and The Oracle. Yes. Mike uh, took care of a couple of problems we had last week. He tells us that, first of all, Reverend Spooner was a real reverend. I knew that. He was ordained by the Church of England in 1875. That I did not know. Okay. And then part two, a non sequitur is Latin for it does not follow. A non sequitur is either a comment which doesn't seem to relate at all to what came before it, sometimes to the point of being absurd, or it's a logical fallacy in which a conclusion doesn't follow from its premises. It's also the name of a not very funny Farside-esque comic strip. Non sequitur? Yes. I think anybody who sets out to present something called non sequitur, is, it's automatically not a non sequitur because they're doing it intentionally. Interesting. Interesting take. Yeah, that's my take on that. All right, well, thank you, thank Mike. You. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Last, now we're going on to last week's contest. Last week's contest, which was provided to us by the commissioner, Peter Gordon. Peter Peter? Peter Gordon. Uh, are we, is commissioner, is that his only nickname now? Commissioner Peter Gordon. We don't do sextuple threat. Anymore. I don't know. All right. Things morph and change over they time. They do. Uh, from Commissioner Peter Gordon, the, the contest was, what movie with the numeration 549 has the letters G-H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O and some other letters. And the answer is... Being John Malkovich, which Indeed, is a fantastic a, movie. That's a great movie, it Being John movie. Malkovich. Now, I, again, again, again I say, I say it every week, but again I say, how in the world do you figure that out? I have no idea. How do you figure out? What is the process? What is the Pearl script? You know... What do you do? I think the kinds of people who can figure this out are probably the kinds of people who are really good at Scrabble. Because you look at a bunch of letters, and you're sort of scrambling them around in your head all the time, trying to find some kind of answer to it. Like, right. something that they rearrange to. And this isn't exactly the same, of course, because there's other letters involved. Right. But I think if you start visualizing these particular letters floating around, you might start to come up with some words that can incorporate well, I guess these letters. You, I can see the... the I mean, John, David, John is, is in yeah, there. John so is I in there. And you... then MLK is most of the beginning of Malkovich. Yeah, I guess so. So uh, maybe that's how? I'm not sure. I don't know either. To anybody who actually figured this out, what was your process? What was your cyst? Oh, sorry. I, 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 I didn't mean to I can't believe it. I'm talking and <laughs> you're yodeling. Well, we should just pick the winner. Fine. Oh, wait a minute. Michael Marcus. What is it? The yodeling pickle ends on an F sharp, not a G. Oh, my God. Michael Marcus. You are fired. You are. Wow. So who wins, stupid pickle turd? Uh. <laughs> I'll let the viewers decide if I'm talking to you or the prop. Uh, I'm not going to even guess which one I'm talking to. The winner is Eric Berlin. Eric Berlin Eric Wall. Eric Berlin. Yes, creator of that fantastic suite of 
Game Night Puzzles. Yes, Game Night Puzzle Suite was fantastic. I still I loved have it. not completely solved. Oh, I did completely solve it. It was a lot of fun. Nice. I did not win. There was a cash prize to the winner. Who which did, I did win? Not win. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Ray Hamill? It wasn't Ray Hamill. Um, I can't remember. I can't Will remember. Johnston. Will Johnston? Will Johnston. Will Johnston is Will Johnston's puzzle pointers? Will Johnston. Wow. I think that's who won. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> so, this week we have a new contest, and it comes to us from Eric Berlin. Coincidence. Eric Berlin writes to us to say, There are two common phrases of two words each, where both words end with N-K. The letters N-K. The second word is the same in both of these phrases. These two phrases are not opposites in the strictest sense, but ideologically, they're pretty far apart. What are the phrases? So we're looking for two two-word phrases. Both words in each phrase end with NK. So all four words end in NK. That's right. And the second word of each phrase is actually the same thing. Yes. Uh, and so we want to know. They're not quite opposites, but they're far apart in meaning. Not just the same thing, but the same exact word. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, that sounds good. And, and if you're out walking your dog, like Vic the gavel... Fleming yep. or Peter Commissioner Gordon Gordon uh, and you need the code word yes the code word is Frank Longo Frank Longo Frank Longo the code word this week Frank Longo Who I don't believe has blown a save all season I don't think he has I think he is a perfect zero for zero yes. in save opportunities <laughs> good well done Frank yes you are as good at winning the World Series this year as Jonathan Papelmonkey <laughs> That uh, is Latin for the good monkey. Look on the horizon! Isn't there any other way that you can set up the thunder round besides look on the horizon? Is there any other way? Do you have to do it that way? I don't have to, but people have requested it. I, people have requested the... Okay. Uh, how would, how, no, how would you like me no, to do it? No, no, no. This, it's fine. I can do it a different Please, way. any way you like. Any way you like, it's fine. Look on the horizon! Yeah. <laughs> It's a thunder god yeah. putting together a Swedish bookcase. Now, see, that is lame, because that joke was like funny the first time, not funny the second time, and now it's not funny No, well, you still. keep doing it until it becomes funny The Swedish again. bookcase joke, not funny. I think if you not keep doing funny. it, it becomes no. funnier. You need to do something else to make it funny again. Do something else? Yeah, do something else. All right. I don't know what. Look on the horizon. Yeah. It's a thunder god, right. and he's coming toward us with a Swedish bookcase on his back. That has already been put together. <laughs> I'm glad you think it's funny. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, thank you for this week's uh, Thunder Round noise that came from Joanne Sullivan. And the Thunder Roll. And the Thunder Roll. Every light is burning in a house across town She's pacing by the telephone in her faded flannel gown Asking for a miracle, hoping she's not right Praying it's the weather that's kept him out all night Monday, October 12th by Richard Chisholm Bin Ban Bon Bun. This is the Sessy Bon. This is the Sessy Bon. John Papel Bon. <laughs> the good Pope. The Bon Pope. Now this is this is how the whole thing came about. Sort of, but I also this theme just didn't do it for me. The phrases were kind of lame and random and contrived just to satisfy the theme of a puzzle. So even for a Monday, no good. 
uh, easy to solve, but not terribly interesting. Tuesday, October 13th, by Sharon Delorme. Is that Delorme? By Sharon A. Delorme. <laughs> Toilets. It's all about to- this is great. How this, did this, this get was- past... I don't know. How did, well, I don't know. Why? We all use toilets. That's I know, something but, kids use. That's, but you don't talk about it Sunday breakfast, do you? Who, did you grow up at my house? <laughs> well, you were... I, I, we definitely talked about all things toiletry right. at You're every right. meal of the day. This was a great... XOP a, a is great classic thing. at that. Wednesday, October 14th by Richard Silvestri. Pub Lice Ducket Ion. I thought this theme was great. You did? You like this? It was public education, right. and you, you chopped it up into four different things that were actually clues to yep. other entries. Yeah, it's a nice interactive, inter-with-itself active crossword puzzle. <laughs> Intra. It's interactive. Intraactive crossword intra-active. puzzle. Very, see? Good. Oh. Thursday, October 15th, by Vic, the gavel, Fleming. Uh, again, why, why do I get all the puzzles I didn't like this week? What is going on? I, I didn't like this one either. I like Vic, but uh, but Hawaii, the theme just seems sort of random to me. It, Wasn't it something to do with there's some sort of uh, I guess it's the 50th anniversary that Hawaii's been around for that long now. Yes. I guess. So there were Hawaiian stuff. There was Hawaiian stuff in it. Well, sure. Oh, uh, 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 Friday, October 16th, 16th, by Karen M. Tracy, Bernays Sauce. I've never tasted it. Hey, what does it but- taste like? Have you have you have you watched History of the World Part One? No. Remember, there's the guy named Bernays. How could I remember from something? <laughs> I'm that talking hasn't to happened? the viewers. There's a French guy named Bernays, and he says something a little snippy, and then Harvey Corman says, "Don't get saucy with me, Bernays." <laughs> Do you have a life? <laughs> it's a funny movie. Do you have a life? It's a funny movie. Mike Not- Mike Nothnagel, does Ryan have a life? Do you that- want to talk about your Karen M. Tracy excursion? Yes, this week, like last week I did five Patrick Berry puzzles. This week I did four Karen M. Tracy Saturday puzzles. How did that work out for you? Uh, I was able to no-Google one of them. And the others, in- well, this one I had to Google a couple of letters on. And then three other Saturdays I had to Google at least one thing. Wow. Uh, it's just, it's hard stuff. There, There just seems to be... There seems to be maybe more with Karen Tracy than with some others, just trivia. It's purely trivia answers, mm-hmm. where it's not things we might just know, but it's like you got to know the actual name of something. And if you don't know it, you don't know it. And right. when it's the crossing of two names, neither of which is normal, that's where I lose all ability. Saturday, October 17th, by Chuck Diodine. 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 Chuck Diodine Delorme. <laughs> uh, this had the weird crossing of Berno and Brell. Yeah. Berno. B-R-N. We've been through this before. Have we? Yeah, we've seen this in a puzzle before. Well, I've seen it in a puzzle before. And I, I have a friend whose name is, uh, whose last name is Berna. B-R-N-A. Really? Yeah, Renee Berna. Really? Yeah. So I should have thought of this. I could not. We both got stuck on this B. Yeah. I could I figured out the rest of the thing. Yep. But not burn. I couldn't figure out what letter went there. I was sure it was a vowel. Absolutely sure. Clearly. I even not. tried Y. Sunday, October eighteenth, by Elizabeth C. Gorski. The Guggenheim. The Guggenheim. The Guggenheim. The Guggenheim. Yes, that's a it's a museum in New York. It is. It's yeah. a museum on a Saturday in August. <laughs> that's what that that's what that meant to me when you said that. Well, I know. I said it that same way, the <laughs> yeah. way I say it's a Saturday in August. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, That's really gotten a lot of mileage, hasn't it, the Saturday and August thing. Uh, This was a great puzzle. This was a lot of fun. It it was a fun-looking grid, very unusual. It was on the easy side. It was fairly easy puzzle. But it was shaped like the Guggenheim, the spiral nature of the Guggenheim. sure was. It had the Solomon R. Guggenheim Museum in it. Yep. The final major work of Frank Lloyd Wright in it. Yeah, that was impressive. It had nine artists. It did. Spiral space. Yep. 
It's amazing. Yeah. And it was nice. It was a nice, easy Sunday. It was. Like, it? I, like I said for somebody else, I could see this in a book of Will Short's crossword puzzles where he's on the cover in a, in a grass skirt on a beach with a, with a margarita saying easy breezy Sundays to solve on an island when you're in a grass skirt and holding a margarita. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see this book come out. <laughs> it's a great book. Well, it's a good thing that Elizabeth Sigorsky has finally made it into the New York Times. Yes. Because I know she's been trying for a very long she time. Has. And it's good to see her debut. Thank God. Uh. <laughs> a debut. That's a foreign word. Debut? Yeah. Yeah, but it's become English. It's right. become a word that we use as part of our general language. That's right. Debut. Debut. Sure. It's not debut. It's not debut. Right. No. Debut. Debut. Uh, I don't know. Like... Uh, yeah, see, now you've got me all tense about the foreign language thing again. I, I hear what you're saying, though. Say si bon, no. I mean, hecht is a foreign word. Hecht right. is a foreign name. Right. Right? Because nobody knows how to spell that. It's, it's actually what? It's Norwegian? Yes, it's Norwegian. And Scottish. And <laughs> the touch of Scottish. Uzbekistanian. <laughs> right? Is, aren't you a little bit Uzbekistanian? Yeah, I'm slightly. On, just on the, the bottom left. Yeah, you're like one-ninth Uzbekistanian? Yes. yes. Yeah. People don't know how to pronounce it or spell it. Uzbekistanian? Yes. I don't either. U-Z-B-E-K-Kistanian. <laughs>